0: Is the Lord? So we're getting ready to uh, to get started um, in uh, in the scripture here. The text that we have been going over, which is uh, Psalms 27 uh, verses 1 through 14. Um, Psalms uh, starting in verse one, the Bible says, "The Lord is my light and my salvation; whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life; of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked Even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell, right? Verse number three, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. Now, brothers and sisters, today I'm going to get into this a little bit, I'm going to pick up Uh, where we left off with the camp Um, and and I told you guys to kind of just get ready for that we're gonna do that and then after we get to that Lord willing I want to get into some topics um, or a topic of I want to segue from that um, into uh, the topic of salvation Um, and the reason why I want to do that is because I want to make sure not only that you have an understanding of salvation for yourselves although most of you on here probably already do but this is really for the purpose of, um, of you taking it out and being able to explain it to other people. That's the main um, thing that that's the main thing that, um, that's the main thing that um, I, I really want to, to get across. Now, last week we, uh, we entered into this scripture here, though an host should encamp against me. My heart shall not fear." okay the war should rise against me in this will i be confident we are in psalms 27 we are in verse number three and the scripture talks about this uh though a host should encamp against me now we began um or we ended uh concluded last week talking about this word host and when we got into this word host defining the word and i do invite you especially those of you who um um, um, who are into um, Bible study, and I want to encourage all of you to be in that. Um, but those of you who are familiar with looking up um, the original words in their Greek or Hebrew, this obviously is the Old Testament. That means that everything that was written in the Old Testament is either in Hebrew or Aramaic, okay? Those two languages. So if it's in the Old Testament, it's gonna be Hebrew or Aramaic, okay? If we get to the New Testament, the original language is greek okay so everything from the old testament that um hebrew and aramaic and everything um that's the old testament that's the original language there right and then we get to the new testament in the new testament it was written primarily in greek so that's a good thing for you to know Um, In case you did not know that, but perhaps everyone on here already did know that verse number three uses a word host and the word host, we said on last week. um, Actually translates to the word camp. Okay. When you break it down, you start to get into the word camp and the concept of a camp, however, has a very nuanced meaning. So it's not it may not necessarily be what you think it is and let me just say this when you get into the word and you start defining or breaking down the word i have a lot of information to give on that but i'm just going to try to keep it as simple as possible brothers and sisters when the bible was translated you are going to understand okay when the bible was translated whether it was translated um into um, Hebrew or whether or um, or or any other language, or as the Bible was uh, translated into um, what well, specifically into our language rather, or, or to we, we speak English. So as it was being translated, okay, um, from well, as it was being translated um, from the original um, Hebrew or uh, Greek or Aramaic, okay the words that are used in our language to take a language that is ancient and to bring that into our language or into today's language, so English in our case, often meant that sometimes it would take more than one word to translate another word or a phrase in from the original language. So. That simply means that there are some words that were uh, Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic in origin, that in the English language or whatever language the Bible is translated into that you're reading, when it was translated, there are some words that we have in our language that do not have a one-for-one equivalency or meaning as a po- uh, when compared to the original word. So the meaning in Greek or Hebrew or Aramaic can have a stronger meaning than the English equivalent, okay? So the word that we use might literally not be strong enough or we might not have had a one single word that is a direct one-to-one translation of that word. So oftentimes what happens is, is, is that, the is that you is that some of the translations of the words require more english words in order to convey the thought in the hebrew or in the greek it may just be a single word okay but because we don't have a equivalent word for that it took multiple words in our language to uh, encapsulate the meaning of, in of its original language So that's one thing that you want to keep in mind. The other thing that you want to keep in mind about that as far as dealing with translation going from the original language to today's language, to whatever language it is that we speak. I use English, but you may be reading from some other type of uh, translation of the Bible. It doesn't matter. Not every language has a word that is equivalent in other languages, and when that happens, it requires a phrase to be used in order to translate the original word. That always happens or tends to always happen in a case where there isn't exact one-for-one word um, translation. Not only this, but when you deal with Bible translation, okay, so not only do may you not necessarily have a one-for-one equivalent word translation, and so you need a phrase in order to translate it, but also the words that we have may not have a meaning in and of themselves if you isolate it on its own, right? and that is equivalent to the original. So our definitions for a word that, um, is, um, that is also found in another language might have a deeper meaning in the other language, okay? This is why when you're studying the Bible, you cannot just stop at reading over the scripture and not getting into some of the Greek and some of the Hebrew and some of the you have to do that. You cannot just take a English Webster, Marion, no matter what kind of dictionary you want, you cannot just take a off the shelf, a today's necessarily dictionary and define the words that you see in scripture and then come away talking about, yeah, you know what, I think I get what that means. No, you don't. You don't get what that means because what you did was, was that you took a, you took a, uh, a, a dictionary that was based off of your language today. What you need is a dictionary that is based off of the ancient language. This is why people will use things like a strong coordinates and a bunch of other um, books and resources. So if you don't have that, that's something that you definitely want to invest in. This word host here okay, means um, uh, when translated, basically refers to or the sense of this word is that of a camp, but it's not any camp. It is a civilian camp, and that is what we said on last week that when we look at this camp and it's very important that you understand this it is talking about the word host here is talking about a camp from the perspective of a civilian camp okay this civilian camp is um a um is when when you think about it what should come to mind or what is meant by a civilian camp, right? Is that of temporary living quarters where a group of people live together. Perhaps they're focusing uh, on the uh, in, you know, inhabitants, uh, inhabitants. It doesn't matter, but it is a temporary living. Um, it refers to the camp is uh, refers to temporary living quarters where a group of people or civilians live together, okay? Now the word in the um, in the in the Hebrew is uh, makanah, okay, and that and it means also it, it means camp or or host or encampment. And the way it's broken down, um, and the way that it's used is very interesting because this type of word here is used or occurs about. I think I told you guys last week. There's probably around about two hundred fourteen times that this particular um, The word or the noun for this word actually appears in the scripture. Now, that and when it appears, it majority appears in the historical books, okay? It's very rare that you find it in the poetical books, and when we say the poetical books, we're talking about the books like the Psalms and um, the uh, songs of solomon etc okay so when we start talking about those those are the poetical books and it's rare for this word to be used in these poetical books you find most of the occurrence in the historical but our text here in verse number three happens to be one of those instances brothers and sisters Where this particular word host is used. And when we start to break it down and look into this, we begin to discover that this word host here um means is in the it really means um um or refers to campers. See in the old testament, those who travel were called campers. Okay. Now, today's in modern language, that's not what we call a camper necessarily, okay. Um, we we think of camping in a particular sense, somebody going all off to the forest somewhere or wherever. And then they um, and 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 that is a camper. When we use the phrase camper, we are usually we tend to usually use it to refer to those who are actually out, probably in the wilderness or somewhere else, and they are actually camping. That is when we use it. But in the Old Testament, in the biblical days, that word campers was not used just for that, or was not used for that. It really referred to those who were travelers and those who were. Uh, on their way or in transition from one place to another. Okay, um, um, it also means a company or uh, or or a group. And a good example of this is found in um, a good example of 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 this um, is found in Second Kings chapter five verse 15, where you start to deal with, uh, with Naaman, and when Naaman comes to Elisha, all right, and you know that Elisha told Naaman to, you know, to dip himself into the, into the river because he had leprosy. Well, in verse 15, it says, and he returned to the man of God, he and all his company, and came and stood before him and said, behold, now I know that there is no God in all the earth, but in Israel now, therefore, I pray thee, take a blessing of thy servant. That first part, and he returned to the man of God and all his company. All his company—that is another translation of it. But what that means is refers to this camper. It's using it. It comes back to the same root uh, w- root word, uh, makanah. Okay, and it means a camp or in it uh, or a, a camper, someone who is living in temporary. Quarters, okay, and that's something that you want to keep in mind. Travelers or trade were not the only ones who referred to as campers. You also had tradesmen and soldiers, okay, because they spent much time on the road. So they also would do something. What would they do? They would set up camp for the night, okay, and um, this word or this phrase, an idea of that. Can be seen when you look at Jacob. Okay, when he encamped, camped by the Jabbok, and you can read that in Genesis chapter thirty-two, verse number ten. Okay, he camped there. All right. Now the name, um, and when you um, take a look at that um, that particular um, that particular scripture, it gives the flavor or gives the sense of the word. Now in Genesis, okay, chapter thirty-two, verse number two. Okay, still dealing with Jacob, Bible says, and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. He called the name of the place Mahanim, okay? Now, Mahanim or the name Mahanim in itself, in that scripture, that name means camps, okay? All right, and and it owes its origin really to Jacob's experience at that location with the angel. So you should know or be familiar with with Jacob wrestling with the angel. Well, that place where he where he wrestled with the angel, he gave that place a name. He called that place Mahanim, Okay, and that means camps. And but when he said it, it was to signify that this was God's camp. Okay, so we have now. A couple things here. Travelers were referred to as campers or could have a camp. Okay. Tradesmen could have a camp. Soldiers could have a camp. But now, when you look at the scripture I gave you in Genesis 32 and 2, okay, where Jacob calls this place Mahanam, that refers to. That word Mahanam means camps, but what he was referring to was not saying that this was the camp of a traveler or this was a tra- camp of a tradesman or this was a, tra- a camp of a soldier, but he was literally saying that this is God's camp. So not only travelers have a tr- uh, had, a, had a camp, not only tradesmen had a camp and not only soldiers had a camp, but the Bible reveals or Jacob reveals that God has a camp, okay, amen. And the Bible teaches us um, is teaching us that in Genesis chapter 32, verse uh, verse number two, Amen. Um, you look at that same in that same uh, chapter, verse 30, chapter 32 of Genesis, and if you go down the thir- to verse 21, and I want you to just kind of mosey on down to that. The Bible says, "So went the pres, so uh, went the present over before him, and himself lodged that night in the company." in the company, they temporarily, they lodged, meaning that in this place of Mahanam that Jacob spent the night there, okay? And it was when he, spent, when he spent the night there, that is when and where he wrestled with the angel. So if you continue to read on, you will see that. Now, there's something else about this word camp, okay? Now, we mentioned briefly, just a moment, that soldiers also spent, um, also uh, made camps. Now, when we use it in the civilian sense, all right. And we bring up the soldiers. It's not talking about soldiers um, who are pitched for battle at that point. Okay. It's talking about soldiers who are just on, who are, who are traveling. So they aren't necessarily in, at a location. They're not, at, they're not necessarily fighting or anything, but when soldiers, okay, are just camping just for the sake of camping. Okay. Or, or they, and they're, and they're not camping because they are engaged in warfare. All right, so if they're camping for reasons other than warfare, then that type of camp falls under the definition of the civilian, which is the temporary living quarters, okay? So in other words, they're just passing through. (laughs) They're not doing anything specific, but they are uh, um, where they're going to reside there for a while, no, they are actually passing through. But when we bring up soldiers, there is another way that they camped as well. Okay. Soldiers also established camps. Okay. By the cities they conquered. So when they were camping non warfare related, it fell under the civilian um, um, definition of the word host. Okay. But when a, but okay, but when the soldier was actually getting ready to conquer a city, and they set up a camp for that purpose, then it takes on a different meaning. It takes on a different context, okay? Because now they are there for a purpose and that purpose is to lay siege. Now, the soldiers often would set up camps by the cities that they conquered. And the purpose of that obviously was to make it difficult for the companies to get resources in and out, okay? This is what happened when they besieged something. Now, first, it signifies, so it it can be used in the sense of these soldiers who are getting ready to besiege someplace, okay? But when you talk about it from the soldier perspective, it doesn't necessarily have to just apply to the soldier. It can also apply on the grander scheme, it can also apply on the level of a country against another country. So, if you look at Exodus chapter 14 and verse 20, it says, "And it can't and I, and it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel, and it was a cloud and darkness to them, but it gave light by night to the uh, to these, so that the one." came not near the other all night long. The very beginning there, that A portion, and it came between the camp this is talking about the cloud the pillar you know of cloud that the during the the uh during the exodus or during the children of israel's flight from egypt and they're they're getting ready to cross the red sea they haven't crossed it yet they're getting ready to and and pharaoh is on their heels he's coming after them just hot and heavy he is on their trail and there comes a point where the enemy is catching up Okay. He's getting ready to overtake them. And so what does God do? God causes his pillar. Okay. Of this cloud to, to come down. All right. And it becomes dark. That's what's being described here. But the, the, but the Bible uses a special phrase. It says the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. So it referred, so it took this whole camp concept and then it broadened it and put it on a national level. So now it became the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of the Israelites. Okay. So when it starts dealing with camp on the soldier or the military um, level, militaristic level. Okay. When you deal with the word camp on the militaristic level. Okay. Then it can all, not only can it represent just the soldiers themselves, but it can also be on a higher level and absent and, and also represent the kingdoms or the warring nations. Okay, whatever nations are pitted against each other. The word also can refers to, um, ha, um uh, also ha, uh, can, can refers to, also refers to a division concerning the Israelites. Okay, um, each of the tribes. Had special encampment, so you have the twelve tribes. All right, these twelve tribes con- together consist or made up the nation of Israel, or made up the people of God. But if you looked at them on the individual tribal level, or look at them from the perspective of their of their individual tribes, that was also considered a camp. Okay that was also referred to as a a camp. And if you look at Numbers uh, chapter one, verse 52, you'll see, and the children of Israel shall pitch their tents. Every man by his own what? Camp. And every man by his own standard. What's that mean? That means flag. Throughout their host. Notice the wording, every man by his own camp. He says the children of Israel. And what's being referred to there, okay, are the camps that consisted of or that was referring to the individual tribe of Israel. So each individual tribe of Israel was also referred to as a camp. Now, the word camp also is used to describe the whole people of Israel, okay? Just as we saw before, and it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightning and a thick cloud uh, upon the mount and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud so that all the people that was in the camp trembled that's exodus 19 and 16 so now that's all that's everybody that's the all the all the children of israel Okay. And they're all gathered. God's getting ready to talk. God is talking. God is, God is moving, getting ready to bring down and uh, lay down the, com- the commandments. Okay. And everybody collectively at this point is referred to as a camp. So we got some various, we got some nuances to this word camp. But again, I told you, I want you to keep in mind that the word camp here in for, that is represented by the word host. Okay. Cause that's the word we're dealing with right here. The word host means is referring to the civilian flavor of it now i want you to understand something god was present in the camp of israel and i'm going back here because i don't want to leave that that i don't want to leave that that too soon because i told you also that 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 god has a camp okay not just travelers and it wasn't just tradesmen and it wasn't just soldiers but god had camp okay and the bible says For the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp to deliver thee and to give up thine enemies before thee. Therefore shall thy camp be what? Holy. That he see no unclean thing in thee and turn away from thee. That's Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 14, if you are taking notes. By all means, do not lose sight of that scripture. That is a wonderful scripture. What is it telling you? One, God has a camp. Two, God walks amongst his camp. God moves in his camp. Three, God's camp has to have a certain criteria criteria. What criteria is that? The camp is supposed to be holy. And I wanna bring this one out. I want people to understand, I want you to understand something about this when we start talking about the camp of the Lord because the camp of the Lord can't just consist of anything. Uh uh-uh, No, the camp of the Lord consists of the people of God who are walking in holiness because it's in the condition of holiness that God will move in your camp. Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to tell you, I'm I'm going to make an analogy. I'm going to bring it home to you. Your household is a camp. That's your camp. But you have to understand that God wants to be a part of your camp. And every camp, every household, doesn't matter what it is, okay? It's not just the church, but it's when we all gather. But your own individual family units is supposed to be a camp. And it's not just supposed to be a civilian camp, but your camp is supposed to double as God Almighty's camp. Now, if you want God to be in your camp, and some people don't want that. You know what? I have met some people that don't want God in their camp, and that's a real shame. That is a real shame. But you ought to want, I ought to want every child of God, every believer ought to want God to be in their camp. So much so that you ought to really want your camp to be his camp. And Deuteronomy 23 and 14 is very powerful. It says, for the Lord thy God walketh in the midst of thy camp. And I'm gonna ask you something. Is God walking in your camp? Is God moving in your household? Have you become so carnal and so distracted that God is has no freedom to move in there, that God has checked himself out? Listen, God will even check out of a camp. It can start out being God's camp, but when you introduce unholiness, God is going to check out, and that's not something that you want, but it is so sad because that is happening to so many of our brothers and sisters, we are getting deceived by the devil and becoming carnal by the second and by the minute. And when that happens, we begin to take a backseat approach when it comes to holiness. But I wanna tell you something, holiness is not optional, okay? It's not the exception. Holiness is the rule. See, without holiness, no man is gonna see God. See, without holiness, God's not gonna have too much dealings with you. Some of us want God to bless us and cannot figure out why. His blessings and his favor seem to elude us so often. Why is it not working? God, why am I struggling like this? God, why does it seem like everything is falling apart in my household, and you have not made the connection back to holiness or the lack thereof? Brothers and sisters, you cannot live carnal. You cannot live unholy. Thinking that you are going to have a holy experience. That's not going to happen. God is going to check out. See, as a result of sin, you got to understand. As a result of sin, God cannot tolerate being in the camp. Look at Numbers chapter 15. Verse 35 says, and the Lord said unto Moses, the, the, the man shall be surely put to death. All the congregation have stoned him with stones without the camp. God is saying, now he's talking about a person who has this. Now this deals with a person who is not covered. Their, their, their sins are not, um, are not covered because you got to remember back in those days, they had to have a sin offering, all right? and they had to have their sin. that sin offering pushed their sin forward for another year. Not only that, but they also had to be circumcised and hopefully we'll get to that. We'll get to circumcision in the New Testament and what that actually represents, but just in case, I uh, you know, what I'm saying? just in case we don't get there, I'm going to tell you that's what water baptism represents. That's just kind of give you, you know, kind of whet your appetite for uh, when we when we eventually make it make it there. But when a person did not have that sign or that token of the circumcision in the old testament, or that person who wasn't covered under that, uh, under that sacrifice, then you need to understand that person wasn't part of the count. If that person was engaged in unholy behavior and that, that was that in breaking the commandments of God, and it became necessary for this person to uh, you know what I'm saying, that this person actually received the the, the death penalty. Listen, God don't play when it comes to sin. You understand? God does not play when it comes to sin. We got a problem with the death penalty when it comes here and I'm not trying to get political or anything. We got a problem with, when it comes to the death penalty, we want to rehabilitate any and everything and regardless, but you need to understand something. When it comes to God, God don't operate that same way. Uh Uh-uh, no, 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 no. The rehabilitation that God tried to do right now is giving you salvation. God wants you to be saved. God wants you to repent of your sins. God wants you to be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. God wants you to be baptized in the name of Jesus, not the titles of Jesus, the name of Jesus. That's how he wants you to be baptized, and he wants you to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Salvation has a process, okay? It is a state with, you know what I'm saying, that is conferred at the completion of a process, all right? And so God wants you to go through that process. Now, When you don't go through that process and you don't take care of all that, no matter how good you are, it don't matter, listen, no matter how moral you are or all of that, God say, you're going to say you did that for yourself and not for me. You are going to die in your sins. And you need to understand And when that happened, God ain't going to take, you're not going to no purgatory where God gonna rehabilitate you. He's not gonna rehabilitate you. You are gonna go to hell. That is where you are going to go. That because you will be numbered with the wicked and the transgressors. Anyone that is not covered by the blood of the lamb will be numbered with the wicked and the transgressors. And you need to understand, you ain't gonna have no place in heaven. No, no, you're going to have front row seat in hell. That is where you are going to be. That is where I will be if I turn from this, if I don't follow the process. God is strict when it comes to holiness, when it comes to the camp, okay? And God, and if you want God to move in your household, you better make sure that there's some holiness going on because a lot of us are missing out on the moving of God. You haven't even seen what God can do. But I'm going to submit to you that without holiness, you're not going to see it. See, you can't be in your household mistreating your wife. You can't be in your household mistreating your husband. You can't be in your household drinking and smoking and, and, and acting ridiculous and doing all these things, talking about you Christian and you holy. No, you're not. You are a sinner. You are deceived of the devil, and you are headed straight to hell. I, don't, I Listen, I'm not biting no words on that. I want that to be understood that there is, there. listen, there is your camp, and then there is God's camp. And the, what you want to happen is, is you want your camp to become God's camp. In other words, you want God to take over your camp. And I'm telling you, it, it's a mighty good feeling when God takes over your camp. I feel, I feel like testifying because, see, when God takes over your camp, The days can be dark at times, but it really don't matter how dark it get because God is in the middle of it, because God is in the midst of it. You just know that everything is gonna be all right. I mean, bills can be coming due. They could even be overdue. You don't don't say, listen, stuff can even have been shut down. But when God is in the camp, Can I tell you that it does not matter? What is impossible with man? Brothers and sisters, it is quite possible with God. See, problems, situations, struggles, and all of these things, that can't stop God. God eats that for breakfast. He is just getting started. And I'm telling you, you want to be a part of God's camp. You wanna be where the spirit of the Lord is. You wanna be where God is moving. You wanna be where God is speaking. See, listen. There are times where I don't have direction and I feel overwhelmed by confusion. But if I can have just one word from God Almighty, it won't matter if the people in my life are able to help make sense of the things in my life. All of a sudden, it's a moot point and it's irrelevant because as long as God is speaking, he's the first and the last. He is the absolute Final word, he's the only word that you need, and no matter what it is, if God is in your camp, you're gonna hear a word. That's the beauty of it. See, you're gonna hear God when God is a part of the camp, but He but you but but when holiness is 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 sorely lacking, God's gonna check out. There was a point where the children of Israel had acted so ridiculous, so ungodly after the exodus, they're in the wilderness. And they are complaining and they are murmuring. I think the Bible says multiple times that they have complained against Moses. They have complained against God and and, and holiness, unholiness was running rampant. So much so that God checked out of that camp. Yes, he did. A lot of you don't realize that God checked straight up out of that camp. And Moses recognized what had happened. And here's the heavy part. Moses, after realizing that God had checked out, God, Moses decided, God, well, if you ain't gonna dwell in the camp with your people, then I'm not gonna dwell in the camp with those people. I wanna be where you are. And I wonder today, is being a part of the camp of God, how important is that to you? Does it mean something to you? So much where that if everybody else in your life should take leave of their natural senses, And decide they're going to turn away from God or not even come to God. If everyone in your life that you are praying for, if it's not meant for them that they are going to turn from their wickedness and they're going to receive salvation, if it should not occur, are you going to abandon God because grandma and grandpa, uncle and daddy didn't come and get that salvation? I'm going to tell you something. If somebody want to go to hell, you better let them go to hell for themselves, and you better save yourselves. The apostle told us in the book of Acts chapter 2, reading past 38, he said, save yourselves. That don't mean that you can save yourself. But what that means is that you better do the things that the Bible lays out in order for you to receive salvation. And I'm gonna put it right out there again. You got to repent of your sins. If that is where you are, you are not going to heaven while living in a condition of willful and deliberate sin. That is not going to fly. You got to repent of your sins. You have got to be baptized in the name of Jesus. Not some made up name, not some titles, not any of that. It is either in the name of Jesus Christ or the name of the Lord Jesus. Any; Those are the only two ways baptism was performed in the Bible. That is it. There ain't no other way to do that. So no, you can't go in talking about, I'm gonna be baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That is not gonna cut it. That does not meet the requirement. When the Lord told the disciples that you gotta be baptized and, you know, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, he said in the name, which is singular. That means that God has a name. It meant that every one of those three titles referred to a single name. There is only one name. Under heaven given among men By which a person can be saved That is the name of Jesus listen you ain't getting saved In the name of nobody else and you're not Getting saved in the name of any kind Of title you're gonna have if you're gonna receive Salvation you're gonna have to return From your wicked ways you are gonna Have to repent that means You can't be cool with sin you can't Have a secret love affair with sin and all This kind of stuff that ain't gonna get you Nowhere you have got to be broken Over your sin That means you got to adopt the same feeling towards sin that God has. And if it hurt God, if it break God's heart, how are you going to do something that's contrary to God and your heart not broken over that? See, that's fake repentance. Real repentance is when your heart breaks the way God's heart breaks. And I'm trying to tell somebody who's listening to this that God's heart breaks every time you engage in sin. And so the question goes out, who is on the Lord's side? And when you answer that question, if you are engaged in sin, I'm, let me serve notice on you. You ain't on the Lord's side. You are on somebody, you're on the devil's side, but you're not on God's side. Because Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and another they will not follow you cannot follow Christ and follow sin i'm telling you that is a split direction and they both lead to two different places if you follow sin you are going to burn if you follow god you are going to you are going to overcome because in christ you are more than a conqueror you're more than a conqueror and you got to understand that the camp that you are a part of means something. That's why I'm taking so much time on this because some of you are in the wrong camp or you know somebody who's in the wrong camp and you're not saying anything about it. You're just saying, I got mine. I'm going to let them figure it out on their own. How is it that God is good enough to save you, but you don't care about nobody else? Listen, what kind of salvation is that that you can't share it with nobody? God saw you in your worst state and went to a cross and paid for crimes that he did not commit for your nasty soul, my dirty, despicable soul. And he did it because he loved me when I was too ridiculous to ask him or realize the state or the danger I was in. He was making a way out of no way. Where was Christ? Christ, where was God? God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. What was he doing? Paying for your sins. What was he doing? Making a way out of no way. What was he doing? Standing up for you. What was he doing? Taking the hit for you. How long are you going to keep asking God? Am I going to keep asking God to take the hit for me when I offer him nothing? Uh uh-uh. The word don't work that way. God loves those, the Bible says, that love him. God is not going to let you into heaven on the strength of mama, daddy, and, and uncle and brother. Some of body got it twisted, and I'm going to straighten it out right now. You're not getting into heaven because mama and daddy got that salvation. You better get that salvation. You had better get your heart right before God. And as long as you entertain the idea that you are okay, and that you are somehow going to make it. You are, let me tell you, the only thing you're doing in that state is, is, is stamping your ticket to hell. That's all that you are doing. Because you're going to have front row seat and a first class ride right into that lake of fire. Listen you had better save yourself. And if you know somebody that is going by the wayside, listen, you tell them, you give them this gospel. What is that gospel? That Jesus was born of a virgin, that he lived among men and he worked all manner of righteousness, that he went to a cross and that he died on that cross. Sins he did not commit, but look at God stepping through. He got up on the third day. The Bible said, with all power of heaven and earth. I know we preach it, but we're gonna preach all this morning because I want you to be saved. And those who are hearing it, I want you to be saved. Don't get caught up in the wrong camp. You go if you're gonna make it, you need to be part of the camp of God. Jesus got up on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hand. And it is his prerogative to give salvation to whoever, to whoever will receive it. And who does he give it to? Those who are obedient. Those who follow the word and the will of God. What camp are you part of? Because you can't be a part of two camps you cannot be a part of two camps you listen i'm going to tell you something god is never going to play second fiddle or second string so you can try to put god on the back burner but i'm going to tell you something god is going to always Put you in a situation where he's gonna force you to choose because thou shalt love the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's what the word says. That's what the word says. Somebody said, but that's the old testament. That's that that, that 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 that's the law. Do you not know that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law? And it still stands. If he said you will not to have a God before him back then, ain't no chance now that he wants you to all of a sudden have another God. Now, do you hear what I'm telling you? You can't serve Jesus and God. It's only one God. Jesus is God. You got to serve God and him only. When you serve Jesus, you're serving God. When you serve God, you are serving Jesus. But you can't serve God and Jesus. You can't do that. That is polytheism. That is the belief in multiple gods. You cannot, I'm going to say it again, you cannot serve Jesus and serve God. you got to serve God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God, the Lord is one. He's one Lord. He is one Lord. And that word, Lord, is capitalized, meaning Yahweh. So he is the self-existing one. He is the I am. He is almighty. So you can't even get that confused. I can't even get that confused. I know I'm riled up, but I'll stay riled up when it comes to salvation because I don't want anybody to go to hell. And it hurts to know that there are some people who are choosing hell like it's going out of style, like it's going to be some kind of party. Ain't going to be no party over there. Ain't going to be no party over there. You will forever you will forever reside in the state of being burned but not consumed. That ain't no kind of life. That ain't no kind of life. And some of us is willing to trade that for adultery. Some of us is willing to trade eternity for fornication. Some of us is willing to trade eternity for drugs and for alcohol and for promiscuity and for all kinds of things. When did that become an acceptable trade-off? How long, brothers and sisters, are we going to be ignorant of what God has done? The love of God has been revealed, and it has been shown. How long are we going to slap away the hand that reached out to us when he didn't have to? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. And I'm telling you, God is lifted up. And if don't nobody else lift it up, I'm going to lift it up. I am going to let you know and let everybody else know that there is a God that is able to save you. He is saving to the utmost. He will not fail you He will not let you down But he is not going to play games with you And if hell is where you want to go That's where you going to go Because hell is a place That was not intended for man It was intended for fallen angels But God ain't going to waste no space So he going to create no new place for you If you don't want to go You're going to go right there with the devil And his merry band of angels And then listen I'm telling you What camp do you want to be in You got to understand You got to get that right you got to get that right. What camp? There is a camp. And you got to be so, so you got to be so locked down on being a part of God's camp that it don't matter what nobody says. It don't matter who come and go. Listen, life sometimes is like a stage and characters come and go. People come in your life and they leave your life. They are transitional brothers and sisters. Don't get hung up on nobody that comes into your life and trade your eternity just for today. I'm going to tell you right now, I will not trade eternity for today. If i got to sacrifice, if I've got to live holy, if I've got to say no to this, that, and the other so that I can stay with God, that's what i am going to do what will you do so you got to decide you're going to hell even if your kid that you're going to heaven even if your kids don't want to go you got to decide you're going to heaven even if your boss your 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 co-workers your your family members your acquaintances it doesn't matter it doesn't matter whoever doesn't want to go that is on them your responsibility is to share the love of god and to put it out there I'm just talking about the camp today because we because part of us is in the wrong camp. And if some of us got one foot in one camp and then another foot in the other camp, but I told you before, when you back up in Psalms 27, the word, David used the word and he talked about the wicked. And we explained that the wicked, listen, don't, don't be naive thinking that that's just somebody who's going, you know, that, that just refers to somebody who is not saved. No, as a child of God, if you leave, and walk away from the word of God, you will be numbered with the wicked. You better read Ezekiel chapter 18. Matter of fact, read the whole chapter. Because if you're thinking that once saved, you always saved, you better think again. Ain't no such thing that is a lie from the pit of hell. There is no such thing as once saved, always saved. I'm telling you right now, Jesus said, you gotta be faithful unto death. He don't bite his tongue, and he didn't, and he ain't. And listen, he said, That to everybody else, he spoke in parables. The disciples asked him about the Lord, why are you always talking in parables? And he told them this, because to them, it is not given. To know and to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, but to you, it is given. Meaning that to the world, it don't make sense. But God is talking plain to you and I who have the spirit. So when He says, Be faithful unto death, He ain't using no code. He is telling you straight up, You got to end this thing the way you begin. You got to be faithful. You got to stay on the wall. You got to be like Nehemiah. Listen, sometimes you're going to have a shovel in one hand and a sword in the other hand, but you better stay on that wall, brothers and sisters, no matter what happens. Listen, you're going to have your sand ballots and all these other people who are going to try to stop the work that God God is doing in your life, but I'm telling you, nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Some of you, God has already started a good work, but you're getting ready to trade your tomorrow for today. You better back up and reevaluate your life and what direction you headed in, because thou shalt have no other gods before the one true God. He is not going to make an exception, and he is not going to accept you on the strength of somebody else. I know this is intense, but hell is intense. And so is the gift of God is intense because where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And I'm trying to tell you, if you are listening to this and you have not been saved and you have not meaning that you have not been baptized in the name of Jesus, you have not repented of your sins. You have not received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And I'm going to tell you something. When you get the Holy Ghost, God ain't going to have you wondering whether you got saved or not. No, the Holy Ghost, listen. When you receive the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost makes a sound. You will speak in other tongues. I'm telling you better take a look at the book of Acts, chapter 2, verse 37, 38. Matter of fact, read the rest of it. Read all of it so that you can be straightened out and that you can understand. Don't accept a salvation that has anything to do with somebody's interpretation. Your salvation better be based on what that word says. Mine had better be based on what that word says because only what you do for Christ is going to last. Don't let somebody tell you, oh, you don't have to be baptized again. When the Bible plainly shows in the book of Acts that when you was baptized wrong, you need to be baptized again. Listen, if you was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Bible only shows baptism in the name of Jesus. So I shouldn't even have to tell you, but I'm gonna tell you anyway. If you were not baptized that way, you need to be re-baptized in the name of Jesus. Don't reason with it. Don't try to understand it. Well, I just don't think that that really matters. God don't, God not asking for your logic. His ways is not your ways. God, listen, let me tell you something. When it comes to salvation, God don't care what you think. God laid down the plan. God put it down. You got to understand that salvation will always operate according to what he laid down. You're not going to get to seminary school. You're not going to get to Bible training. You better throw that trash out if it's leading you down the wrong path. If he said, except a man be born of the water and of the spirit, he shall in no wise inherit the kingdom of God and that you will not see the kingdom of God. That is what he means. And you're not going to get in any kind of way. He said, I am the door to the sheepfold. He said, I am the door. He said, anybody who comes in any other way is a thief and a robber. Brothers and sisters, he, Jesus told us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. When the Bible says in the book of Acts, save yourselves, it does not mean actually saving yourself. It means do what the Bible says in order for you to be saved. That means follow the process. And you got to be born again. See, the way you get into the camp of God is that you be born again. See, you can't just join God's camp. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like you, get a, like, like, like you can just put your name on it. Listen, you can't join the church. The church is not a roll call, my friend. You cannot just join the church. Listen, you can join a local fellowship, but you can't join the church The church is unjoinable. You have to be born into the church. You need a new birth experience. You got to be born, listen, of of the water and of the spirit. You got to be born into this. Listen, that is why the Bible uses the phrasing inheriting the kingdom of God. Inheritance. It applies to those who have a what? Birthright. You inherit what you have a birthright to. At least in this sense. I know that there are other people trying to split hairs. We ain't talking about that. We talking about in this sense. The kingdom of God. Heaven is something that you are supposed to inherit. You inherit as being part of the family, you become part of the family by being born into the family, which is also an adoption at the same time. It is both being born and adopted all at the same time. That's why, listen, I'm telling you, when the Bible talks about great is the mystery of godliness, you have no idea. God look, God got this thing hooked up so So awesomely or whatever else it is It literally takes the Holy Ghost And the Spirit to make sense of it And that's why the Bible teaches you That you have to have the Holy Ghost And you have got to have the Spirit Because it's not possible to understand And grasp all this on your own What camp are you a part of? Is your camp God's camp today? Is your household A place where God walks freely? Does God have free reign in your home? Is he able to come in and interrupt your sleep at night just because he want to talk to you? Just want an audience with you and he know that you're going to get out that bed and you're going to get on your knees or you're going to lay there you're going to open up or you're going to go on your knees in your heart and you're going to have a little talk with Jesus? Does he, does that, is that, is, is is that part of your camp? Can God interrupt your flow? No matter what it is that you're doing, can God interject the thought? Can God step in? Can God just have a bit of your time? Whatever he wants to. Is he free to do that? Is he free to give you some instruction? Or are you hard-headed? Hard-hearted and you only wanna try God's way after your way fails. Is that you? Is that me? Who's in the camp of the Lord? Because if there's no holiness there, let me save you the trouble. You're not in his camp and he is not in yours. Without holiness, without righteousness, no man shall see God. And you're not going to get there on your own. You got to do this God's way. What camp are you a part of? Because the world got its camp. The devil got his camp, but God has a camp. And But God's camp has got high standards. And to get in, holiness is absolutely mandatory. Are you willing to trade your today for tomorrow? I hope you are. Because he that will save his life shall lose it. But the person that loses it for the cause of Christ, for the Lord, they shall find it. You got to give up your way. You got to give it all up and do it God's way.